0: In this episode of the Explore Information Security Podcast, what is SANS SCC 487 part (laughs) one? Welcome to the Explore Information Security Podcast, where you will learn, explore, and grow your security mindset. I am your host, Timothy D. Block, and in this episode, we will be exploring what is SANS SCC 487. This is a brand new course by Sans. It's around open source intelligence. It is the first such course of its kind. Uh, open source intelligence is something that, are, you know, pen testers use, but um, people on the blue team side and as you'll find during us discussing the course, uh, many people within the industry and even with outside of the industry use this kind of uh, this technique of, of OSINT, as, as we like to call it. So uh, I had the opportunity to go down to the beta class with uh, Micah Hoffman, who's the, who's the creator and the instructor of the course. And this is a discussion I had with him. And so I, I asked him, what is SANS scc forty seven?
1: So it is, um, I like to call it a foundational course, which is, um, and it's, it, it's a course that is it's meant to be, um, in college they call these survey courses, courses, where you get a little bit of a whole bunch of different topics to either introduce it to you or show you some new tools, possibly some new techniques that might be of interest. Um, it's mainly aimed at people that are looking for information on the internet, which Nowadays, it seems to be a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, whether you're looking for people, whether you're looking for information on IP addresses or domain names or or just looking to find some other areas to find stuff, um, yeah, it, it's it's a course about finding things.
0: And so all the courses are like 400 level or kind of foundation courses?
1: Um, so, so the way SANS's courses are set up, uh, kind of like college or university, it's a uh, uh, 300, 400, 500, 600, and as you move up this stack, uh, they get more technical. Mm-hmm. So 760 is a really technical class kind of at the tip of the pyramid. Um, but, and yeah, so the 400 level class that this is, is is aimed at the people that are more analyst level, that are not the, the Uber pen testers or defer people, although there's pieces of information in here for when um, defer people get usernames or when, when pen testers need to do that reconnaissance, the course talks about that. Um, but my main audience is a little bit less technical, I would say, and, and learning or starting out or maybe even um, moving from uh, the, the people uh, types of, uh, I don't even know what I'm going to say here. <laughs> And cut no no um, and, 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 no I, I know where you're going with that and that's
0: that's kind of what's going to dive into is because and we've had this discussion throughout the week is you have vulnerability so we've talked kind of like I brought up things like what about this you're like well that's vulnerability research or, or that's you know that's also threat intelligence but a lot of that I think there's some kind of overlapping a little bit in those areas where OSIN is kind of a tool for those areas and that you utilize those things because and I'm I came into the course looking at it from a blue team perspective whereas. Um, Someone else might be coming from Insider Threat. Well, I guess Insider Threat is
1: Blue Mm -hmm. (laughs) Team.
0: But but, um, no more from like a... Typically when you think about OSINT type stuff, it's it's also a lot of uh, pen testing. And it's part of the recon phase of pen testing where you're looking for a target and you're looking for what's what's out there. Um, But you also have a lot of private investigator type stuff. And I can see this where it gets very broad in... You know, you can have law enforcement involved. You can have fraud. You can have HR. Um, I've used it to uh, to to teach people in a security awareness, and that then they're able to go um, do that, use these same kind of tools for even something like what are their kids doing online, or you know. forbid that you have to actually hire private investigator for this, but, you know, what your spouse is doing online. Or, yeah. you know, people use this for dating. Um, they use basic stuff for dating. So I feel like it's a very, like, it's a topic that can apply to a lot of different things, not just cybersecurity. I said cybersecurity, information security.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, it's um No, you're absolutely right. And, and so earlier this year, uh, um, I, I decided to do a, a series, of pod, uh, series of webcasts with mm-hmm. some of my my colleagues uh, and the one that Josh Huff and I did uh, was OSINT for everyone, which is exactly what you're saying. You know, in our daily lives, we might do OSINT on a topic, but we don't call it OSINT. We call it checking up on that person that just, uh, I got his number in the bar. You know, that, that doing that kind of reconnaissance of who is he and what does he, what is he um, do for a living and what does his social media profile look like and all of that stuff that's OSINT. And and the the parent who's looking up information about the nanny that's going to be taking care of their child, yeah. that's OSINT. The PI, the law enforcement person, the intelligence officer, the insurance investigator that's checking into some short-term disability that Somebody says he hurt his back and he's out playing basketball with and and Facebook and him doing jump shots and stuff <laughs> on a subtree. Right, right. All of these things are absolutely realms for OSINT. And you brought up an interesting point that OSINT is one of those things that that is overlapping with threat intelligence, with blue, classic blue team, with even, as I mentioned, uh, digital forensic and incident response. Mm-hmm. You find indicators of compromise. You're going to need to go out and find out who owns that network block or that domain and what does it mean. Um, and pen testing. So it does do cyber, but I think there's a huge amount of people out there that, that are outside of cybersecurity that definitely use OSINT and could benefit from this course. Just understanding, the other the other piece that I like of it, and I'm sorry for monopolizing the conversation here, yep. but it's, in cybersecurity, we always talk about the more you know, the more effective you can be, mm-hmm. and the more you can protect yourself. So picture this, somebody taking the class just because they're interested in it, they will learn about all the information that's out there about them and their business. Uh, this week in class, one of the students remarked that, they had no idea that this level of detail was available on state business sites that mm-hmm. you could pull up documents with hand signatures that had been scanned in and were available on the internet and making them aware of the data that's out there that might be about them, their companies, their neighbors, um, I think is very powerful and, uh, and a great uh, benefit of this class.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, a couple different places I could go with <laughs> mm-hmm. you jog my memory. And, and I'm hoping I'm not giving away too much with the class here, but one of my favorite ones is where we get into untapped and how, um, um, I think, I don't, don't remember if you said you knew someone or this was a use case where Someone from insurance or something could go to Untapped and see what they were doing right before they got no car accident. I think it was car
1: insurance or maybe or yeah, so, something else. So so what you're talking about is the Untapped beer drinking app, where people take a picture and they take a picture of the app that they're um, the, of the beer that they're drinking, along with the date and the time that they drank it <laughs> and the geolocation, who they drank it and where they drank it, mm-hmm. and they publish that to the internet. And the last 25 beers of public uh, profiles are available to anyone. So I wrote that script to grab the the last 25 beers of public profiles and analyze it for the hour that they drank and the day that they drank and, and all of that. And then when I tweeted out, I'm like, hey, I found this really kind of funny and interesting. I had a, a, a person say, hey, I do investigations and... Understanding that somebody just came from a bar right. and had five drinks in two hours, that's something I would have never known. Information is just so powerful. And we, we haven't
0: even talked about spies using this stuff and, and you know just the information out there for people to exploit that. And yeah, it's, it's just a very rich, I feel like it's a very rich topic that can, uh, can apply to just several. And it can even apply to, like you said, people just taking it. You can use that in a job search. Um, and, and you know a lot of what you should be doing is studying the company you should be looking for keywords in um, within job postings and then applying that to your resume is that you know that's not necessarily manipulation if you had the experience then you can apply to it and get past the the review board get past you know usually it's like an hr level and they they, they need you to meet a certain rec- criteria have a certain number of words in there to, to meet the, um, the requirement and then it goes up to a hiring person and then you know from there it's it's uh, you know so it's crafting your resume to that kind of stuff so it's it's just very simple to
1: all the way up to being a spy so jason blanchard from sans a sans marketing guy gave a great talk at derbycon one year and his talk was essentially how he used his advertising skill to target a certain population of people and get his next job instead of publicizing a podcast or a right. product His product was himself. And taking those skills to understand what your target market is, what your target audience is, what message you're going to deliver, you got a little social engineering there, along with the targeting part, is kind of OSINT. Um, And so, one of the things that I find is there's a lot of overlap between what advertising and marketing people do on a daily basis to find. And recruiters, too, you mentioned. I was just um, thinking about that. Yeah, yeah. To find people of a certain skill at a certain um, uh, price point, at a certain <laughs> place in the right. world, right. and then target them with their message. And and not saying that that this class should be filled with a whole bunch of marketing people, but there's no reason why it couldn't be. Right. The, this, the data's out there, as you said.
0: Right. So what was the genesis of you writing this course? Like, what what moment happened that
1: you're like, I need to write this course? So it, there were a number of things. Um, first off, was my interest in open source intelligence. I, I had I, I was doing OSINT before I knew it was really called OSINT. Right. And with my pen test background, um, I would always do reconnaissance, and, and what I found was that I loved looking up information about the developers and information about the people that wrote the web apps that I was going to break into, and and doing a whole bunch in that area, and then. Um, from that reconnaissance, I started, I started taking some of the the interesting things that I saw, like the Untapped app. I just saw people posting on or tweeting out, "Hey, I I got this badge from Untapped for drinking the most loggers at this bar." I was like, what? "Why? Why wouldn't somebody want to tweet out how many drinks they're drinking at bar?" I wonder if I could gather more information about it. So a lot of it was curiosity about the field, but then what i recognized was that Sands, they, they we had um, these kind of very distinct buckets of people offense and defense right offense defense and defer and then managers and other things and and i thought you know this this topic of searching for information on the internet really is a cross-platform, cross-curriculum type of skill that, if you possess, you can be a more effective pen tester, you can be a more effective blue teamer or D4 person in many regards, and um, so I took that uh, and I had some conversations with some other SANS instructors and they said, yeah, we could do this. And now
0: you've, got the, now you've got the SANS 487 course, which yep.
1: we're expecting to go well. Based on your yeah. first beta, yeah. This week uh, we did the first beta, and thank you for coming to the class. Yeah. Um, and uh, I enjoyed teaching it. I also enjoyed hearing from the students what was working and what what needs improvement still. Um, but as we mentioned, as I mentioned in class, this is this is, in my opinion, the starting point for OSINT courses at, at SANS. I absolutely foresee opportunities to. To dig deeper. As I mentioned, this is kind of a survey course. Right. Going deeper to, into any one of the topics, whether it's dark web or finding uh, terrorists or, or other stuff, uh, there's a huge amount of opportunity. Right. Well, in OSINT, it's a field that's just almost changing on a regular
0: basis. So there's always going to be um, updates and new techniques and new
1: things. Yeah. I, in fact, some of the things that we learned in class when we did the, the advanced Facebook searching using the graph search engine and stuff like that, uh, with this Cambridge Analytica stuff that's happening, one of the concerns within the open source intelligence community is, oh, my God, Facebook might shut down some of those really useful <laughs> OSIN no. things, and we're not going to be able to do our OSIN. Thanks, Cambridge Analytica. Thanks. Thanks. Um, to screw up. The- <laughs> but, yeah, it is constantly evolving, and, and you, you get new techniques new opportunities um and uh we keep shifting and learning
0: right well I, that's one thing that I, one of the things that i noticed when you were teaching was like this is awesome but it's also really scary and so when when they put in new thing new measures to kind of maybe cut off that stream or something you have to find a new creative way to either get to that information or pivot onto on to
1: something else yeah and 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 y- that's an amazing point right there because uh, what we do is we take the, the, the determination, the perseverance, the, the inquisitive detective spirit, and we apply that to how can I get at that data? I know within that application, I post my geolocation information. Well, how could I see what other people's information is? Um, and so, yeah, I mean, sometimes roadblocks are thrown up. But the job of, at least me as a pen tester, the job as an OSINT person, the job of a detective or an intel person is to not be thwarted by these barriers to still gain that data. Um, And we saw today that, uh, or or earlier this week when we talked about retrieving cached content. Now if somebody, one of the examples in the class was, hey, is somebody tweeting out, hey, I've I've cleared and deleted all of my tweets, I'm gonna start fresh. And yet, right. in archive.org or in Google, I think all of their tweets were still cached because they had the public profile. So um, sometimes, maybe we need to look in a different source to get the same information. Yeah, I'll be interested to see what happened with uh, GDPR and the whole
0: mm-hmm. who is and registers domains and just seeing where that. I think that's going to potentially change a bunch of stuff. I don't know. It's. But but I, I also I kind of like those because I think those are opportunities to come up with creative new solutions for stuff. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see how how some of this changes. But it's 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 always changing, and um, that's one of the things that I don't realize is that the U.S. is just this wide open field of information. Whereas when you go over to Europe and stuff, and we have a a, a European in the class, he's like, he's like, wait, you can go do that here? Yeah, in my country. You, that's illegal, yeah. you'll, get, you'll get thrown in jail for it. And it's just like, wow,
1: it's just amazing that the different, different differences between the two countries. And and that's one of the things that I've noticed as a, as a person that does OSINT is in the United States, it really is a target-rich environment. I mean, we have so many government agencies in uh, running races and exercise apps where we either we ourselves push data to the internet to share with whomever, or, where data about us that we maybe don't control is being pushed to the, data, into the internet. In other countries, you don't have that at all. Or it might be different. It might be in a newspaper that that personal information is, is sent out. Maybe in a, in a eulogy or in uh, some other type of, of uh, life event. But you don't have these databases where I can look up how much somebody in um, Arizona makes per hour because they're a state worker. That that just doesn't happen in a lot of other countries. So the the transparency, I think we in some countries in some areas maybe take it farther than we need to.
0: So do you ever see as people? Because every time there's some new thing that hits the news, like you said, the Cambridge Analytics, something people were to. And, and rightfully so. Something will probably change at some level. Maybe not everything gets cut off, but do you ever see a future where we kind of go backwards and and for OSINT because this is where OSINT came from was going through books, going to the library, going, you know, where, to a paper form. Do you see that becoming more in style again as people start like res- maybe restricting a little bit more some of the stuff? I don't. I don't there's so much out there. I don't see that anytime. Soon, but I feel like like I could see where because that's what we talked about today. Because um, you have John John Turbush in the in the class, and he's a private investigator. Is mm-hmm. is? Yeah. He yeah. talks about go, being able to just go up to a state and you know paying you know either for free or paying a couple bucks, you can get access to the same kind of information that a lot of times and and sometimes you get even more from just going in person versus what they
1: put online because it's up to them to actually put it online. Yeah. Uh, so to answer your question, no, I don't. And, and there's two things that that I think are are, are keep keep pushing us towards pushing more and more data online. And one is it's easy, uh, right? I mean, it, to have somebody fill out a form on an iPad at a place and then store the record electronically is is easy. Doing the paper types of forms in many places. Don't get me wrong. I know there, there's many parts of the world's world that don't use uh, electronic devices as much as some metropolitan areas. So. In many places, paper is the way to go. In fact, if you want to do um, OSINT in some places, you have no electronic resources to do that. You, you can't search the online database because the documents are still in files. But I don't see that being the rule. I see that more and more becoming the exception with people, companies getting contracts to probably digitize those papers, scan them in, and move um, move uh, government agencies towards, towards paperless offices or paper or less papered offices. Um, I see that as, as more the future and also the, the second reason is level of effort. Um, for me to get out of my warm office and drive all the way down to a, a courthouse at, when they're open and find parking that's inconvenient. Getting that information from online is super simple. I think one of the things we may start seeing in the United States, and this would be a huge if we ever could do it, is limiting who has access to certain data. Right now, we we publish so much to the entire world. We probably don't need to have it on that scale. You know, people in 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 Belgium don't need to know how much somebody in New York in New York State makes every year in their salary. It just they, they should have no reason to get that information so what I what we may start seeing is more restricted access for to retrieve retrieve the information but I don't know
0: there's a lot out there and even even when you talk about restrictive there's still all the dumps yeah. that are yeah. out there uh, just available. I mean my 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 information has been compromise since what was it? it was 2012 when the south Carolina department of revenue had had their breach oh, cool. well and, and for me it's it's okay i go f- freeze my uh my credit or uh do a security freezes on all of my stuff and take those type of precautions but what really ticked me off about all of that was my three-year-old daughter was part of that because um. she's you know she's a claim in all my taxes so like like our kids are growing up with their information being compromised from the get-go so when they turn 18 that's one of the things they have to be mindful of almost instantly and you know kind of speaking to kids along those lines that they they're gonna have to be very mindful about what they've put out like this is going to be the most documented um generation ever like even even you know even more so than than, uh, you or I where you know where parents have pictures of us but they don't have necessarily a ton of videos my my mom still probably has videos but they're all VHS because they are a VHS player or 8mm you know older generation and all this stuff is going to stick around for a while as long as there's space and the space has become ridiculously cheap so it's just going to be around all the time like so I mean you know you have the I think you showed a video today of, of the kid with bacon Mm-hmm. And that's gonna be online forever. Yeah. Um, that kids like, grand, 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 grandkids <laughs> are gonna be able to look at that and laugh, and look at look at great, 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 great granddaddy there, figure eating bacon for the first time. Yeah. Um, but that's also something that we've just provided um, as parents open source intelligence stuff on them for when they get out into the world.
1: So you really bring up two points. One is um, the that our children's data is now becoming um, uh, available through breaches and all. Uh, I know a lot of people whose information was in the OMB breaches, uh, was in the uh, Blue Cross Blue, Blue Shield breaches, and that kid information. Um, back in, in the earlier 2000s, I worked at the US cert and one of the things that we were, we, we were finding is that uh, people were doing identity theft, not of you, but of your kids. Because how often do you ch- check the credit of your kids? Probably not that often. So somebody's able to uh, it's essentially steal your kid's credit, good credit, ruin it, and then when your kid turns 18 and applies for that first credit card, they have terrible credit because of somebody else has been using it for years. So um, when we get these credit freezes, it's very important to freeze our kids' credit. Even yeah. though it sounds ridiculous, the identity... Uh, you'd, theft you'd, theft.
0: you'd like to think
1: that if, if they're doing credit
0: checks, they go, Oh, what's the date? Wait, that's a seven-year-old. That's No,
1: go away. Yeah, you'd like to you'd think. Like to think right? I, ideally, yeah. this is how this works, right? Right. Um, but it, it, it doesn't always happen. No, no. And not. then the second thing I always like doing the awareness and education. You and I talked um, earlier this week about how I love going into uh, my son and daughter's schools and talking to them, having you know frank, earnest conversations about the world around you is not something that you can trust, and you do need to make sure that you understand how things work and what you're doing because the decisions that you make now as a 12 13 14 15 or whatever year old right are going to always be there and one of the examples i used um uh recently i think i used it on the other podcast that we did was you know when i was younger i had a bicycle accident and i needed to shave my leg because it uh i didn't want it to get into the wound um and that stuff stuck around for years and years and years on the internet Um, but uh yeah nowadays there's gonna be pictures of kids and doing stupid stuff. In fact, if you look a lot of the, the fail video, I love watching fail videos. <laughs> I love seeing examples of what not to do, right? <laughs> right. Um, and a lot of the fail videos I see are kids doing those same silly things that I used to do. You know, I could do a backflip, I swear I can right. And you jump up and down, and you land flat on your back, but right. now it's being recorded. Now it's being shared with millions of people all around the world. So. You're right. This is a highly documented generation, and all further ones will. Yeah, and all new tools are coming out regularly, new techniques. It's, yeah. Yeah, and I think that the scary thing for me is seeing um, how, yeah, you know, and so there's a video about some kid eating bacon, but what will happen is, We'll, we'll be able to analyze that video in more detail using AI using some other types of, of Algorithms so that we can pull out voice patterns from there. We can pull out faces from there we can pull out other information from these videos that people are just posting and So now we not just we don't just know that uh, Tim's kid did a backflip here and and hurt himself But based upon the voice patterns, because, oh, you know, Siri or Google uh, Assistants or whatever has recorded what you, or Amazon Alexa has recorded what your kids' voices sound like. Now there are multiple devices that can tell that, oh, Micah's kid was there with Tim's kid, but is not in that frame. So we have some really interesting correlations and really scary ones for privacy in the future. Staying off camera. Is no longer going to be a safe space to be as long as you're making sounds, um, and I think that's. And the other part about that is, is that you know the government has certain rules that it has to follow when it collects information about its citizens or the people in the country, but companies, just like what we saw with Facebook, those rules are a little bit grayer as to how you use that data. Right.
0: That's it for part one. I hope you learned something. Feedback is welcome. Timothy.dblock at gmail.com or on Twitter at Timothy Dblock. Show notes can be found at timothydblock.com forward slash EIS. Have a good one.